This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist Cameron Brandt. Today, we'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming week. Cam, good morning. I'm not sure our focus on retail investors has ever included such a dramatic week as we saw last <laughs> the, uh, the GameStop and the short position controversy. Uh, what's your initial take a week out? Um, well, we have certainly been tracking uh, a, a small but significant rise in retail interest in the uh, mutual funds and ETFs that we track. Um, it's been a story that, frankly, from our perspective, has been building for quite some time um, and for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, I, the thing I would start by saying is that uh, the retail investors who take the trouble to you know, express their investment decisions and preferences through uh, ETFs and mutual funds, I think, are a slightly different breed than um, quick-fire uh, retail traders who are using platforms like Reddit um, and sort of pursuing aggressively short-term uh, strategies. But uh, there's no doubt it's a significant trend. It's one we've been talking about for a while. Um, in our case, um, a lot of the retail money uh, has gone in very logical directions. Uh, by far the biggest recipient and most consistent recipients uh, of, of retail flows have been the global equity funds, which is your first port of call if you want broad exposure to the global reflation story, uh, and to China equity funds, which, uh, you know, again, given uh, the global reflation story, the, the front runner is China. Its economy is in better shape than most of the other drivers. Um, that said, uh, you know, our data certainly shows that uh, peaks of retail interest, especially in China equity funds, uh, usually end with a, a bump. Um, and certainly we've been alerting our clients that, uh, you know, the situation in China is such that, uh, well, there's no reason to run for the exits. There's certainly a reason to sort of start playing close attention to a theme that's been running for some time. Um, you know, stepping back a bit, uh, we're starting to do some volatility analysis with the retail uh, cohort in mind. Um, and we've certainly seen at least coincident, if not correlated with the rise in retail interest, a sort of a rise in um, you know, the speed of turnover within certain groups of asset classes. Um, so um, I think that this will be something that markets, uh, fund managers uh, pay a fair amount of attention to, certainly in the first half of this year. Um, 
you know, I'm not surprised by it. Uh, in some ways, it's the natural result of certainly the monetary policies which see, we've been seeing, uh, which aim to drive people up the risk curve by sort of crushing yields in the in the safer securities. Um, You've had a pandemic which has uh, forced a lot of people to become acquainted with uh, technology and trading platforms. Uh, at the same time, you have uh, a cohort of fairly affluent uh, retirees uh, coming through into their golden years in, in, in the U.S. and Europe. Um, and... Uh, you have, as I said, low yield. So I think it's a combination which uh, certainly uh, increases the odds that uh, the, the number and intensity of re retail investors and traders um, is likely to increase, uh, certainly through this year. Do you, and this is a bit farther afield from what we normally discuss here, but do you have concerns if there is this sort of strategy going forward on particular names, I, I was reading a, an article this morning about um, uh, coordinated effort in Malaysia uh, with a particular company, um, but that company is profitable. So do you think that there is potentially benefit to what we're seeing long term? Uh, you know, at, at least in theory, um, it's no different. The rationale for retail trading is no longer no, no different than that for institutional trading, which is that you're looking for uh, inefficiencies uh, in the market or or stories that. Uh, I have you know compelling long-term returns, and then either backing them or um, piling into the inefficiencies in a way that uh, alerts the market to iron them out. Um, you know the the, the 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 intense focus on on sort of short-term strategies and, and and sort of focusing on trying to. Uh, outguess hedge fund managers certainly has the potential not to end well, but at least for the moment, even though we, we are definitely seeing higher levels of retail involvement, um, the heft is still with the institutional players, uh, and I think that heft is enough to sort of <coughs> mean that even though there's some noisy froth at the top of the market, that you know the the fundamental drivers uh, are unlikely to skid too far. And uh, last question on this topic, would you expect to see anything in a Biden administration in response to this sort of activity? Obviously, transparency is important to many. Um, what, what would you expect to see out of this situation uh, in regards to a government response? Um, I think and hope that uh, Biden has more pressing uh, items on his agenda that he and his administration are going to push. Uh, as I said, while it certainly bears watching, uh, I think that the noise currently being generated about retail investors sort of exceeds the actual uh, core impact. Um, and that actually reacting aggressively to it now would really risk sort of an overreaction that could 
have longer term uh, you know not so good long term consequences for the market sort of add to the regulatory um, obstacle course <laughs> that uh you know some traders would have to navigate uh to participate um so um you know at least for the moment i'm not anticipating much of a response and actually hoping that uh they don't feel compelled to respond to what at the moment is though underpinned by a real trend uh you know a, a bit more noise than real fury so I do want to head over to Europe. Uh, we've obviously been watching closely the race for an efficient vaccine implementation there. Um, do you see that the the real world situation flowing through into any of the uh, assets that we track on a weekly basis? Yes, um, you know, having now watched uh, Europe through the fund flow lens for two decades, there. Uh, the region's capacity to shoot itself in the foot, uh, especially in an economic sense, never fails to amaze me. And um, just as uh, we were starting to see some money creep back in to uh, take advantage of uh, the rebound that uh, uh, investors are were expecting in the second half of the year, helped by the, the deployment of the first sort of real slug of money from the rescue fund that was uh, agreed among EU members last year, um, the region has got itself in a you know a bind over the delivery of sufficient vaccines to propel their vaccination programs against COVID uh, along at the uh, pace uh, which will allow them to you know, achieve the preconditions for some degree of normality uh, by the spring. Um, the, uh, the issue has sort of taken on a harder edge for politicians there because the recently Brexited UK uh, has gotten a jump uh, on the vaccination program, it, the UK has now vaccinated around uh, 11% of its population versus less than 2% for France. You know, in an EU average that I think is sort of around three to four percent, um, and that you know, and that has real economic implications. Um, the uh, it means that uh, the current round of restrictions to combat the second or the even third waves of this pandemic are likely to stay in place for longer. Um, the period of caution when people uh, try and return to normal will be delayed. Um, and uh, so it, it is likely that uh, Europe's rebound is going to start later and may not be as strong uh, as the ones you see uh, in key emerging markets uh, and the U.S. Uh, and um, the the uh, tensions over the vaccination program and and uh, whether it's the UK or EU that has rights to the production of AstraZeneca's vaccine uh, is is uh, once again levering open uh, long established uh, tensions within the European Union. 
especially in terms of its relation to private enterprise, um, people's faith in their government, um, and it's reminded people that this could be another tough year politically for uh, the region. there's been a fair amount of attention paid to the fact that Angela Merkel steps down as chancellor uh, in Germany, um, but uh, Italy's government uh, is once again <laughs> on the rocks, uh, even if uh, it seems to be a tactical grounding in some levels. Uh, Macron is in France is facing uh, growing popular unrest uh, over how slow their vaccine rollout has been. Uh, And it wasn't that long ago that we were watching the uh, Yellow Jackets. Uh, I'm not going to butcher uh, the French language by trying to pronounce the French name for that, Um, you know, bringing the country to a halt. Uh, And to the north, the uh, what are generally perceived as the stable hardworking uh, Dutch are rioting in the street over their frustration uh, with the uh, the government's handling of the, of the COVID pandemic. So um, it, it, the case was building that uh, Europe may offer some value and was certainly going to have a rebound of some sort uh, in keeping with the broad global reflation story. But in a fairly short period of time, um, people are already (laughs) questioning uh, quite how that will play out. Given the statement the uh, Fed chairman came out with this week, obviously FOMC news uh, in the past week. Do you think that bond markets are questioning the message from him, or is there uh, is there a turning of opinion on what's going to be happening there? Um, so I I, uh, I I've used the expression comforted, but not entirely convinced. Uh, Obviously, the 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 issue of the moment that uh, Jerome Powell was uh, trying to finesse when he made his post-meeting statement is the uh, surprisingly broad and deep conviction that uh, the global reflation story uh, may well have uh, more of an inflationary sting attached to it uh, than uh, certainly um, had seemed likely uh, earlier. Uh, uh, sort of in the past few years, we've uh, been living and seeing a, a largely deflationary narrative. Though um, <laughs> uh, there's, you could can spend several hours picking apart just what the real inflation experience is for most people. Um, but um, you know, intelligent uh, people looking at the current. Uh, uh, alignment of supply and demand, uh, and the fact that if inflation gets going, it will the year-on-year comparisons will uh, be fairly stark. Uh, are still thinking that um, we could easily, by the third quarter, start to see inflation in the U.S. that's uh, running well above the Fed's two percent target. Uh, and if that does happen, then the question is. 
just how long will the Fed be comfortable with uh, inflation running north of 2% before it feels um, that there's a chance that uh, price, the price rises will become unanchored and that they'll be in a position of, of chasing inflation with interest rate hikes rather than gently herding it back into a sensible level. So given all of what we've discussed, what are you and the team going to be taking a look at this week? Well, um, we are still focusing on um, the relation between some of the key themes that we have discussed in this podcast over the past few weeks, and that that includes retail involvement, uh, concerns about inflation, uh, growing uh, investor interest and flows in emerging markets, uh, and the sort of likely impact on market volatility. Um, you know, volatility is obviously a, a concern for our client base, um, but it's also a, a concern for the Fed and other central banks who, uh, at least on a, on a superficial but you know, politically important level, uh, tend to be judged on their ability not to let markets become too volatile. Um, so if volatility is on the rise, uh, it will certainly have implications for the way the Fed and the ECB uh, try and navigate this particular stage of the post-pandemic process. All right. Thank you, Cam. Have a great week and look forward to speaking next. Good. You too. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast.